Father God, thank you that you hear that prayer, that you answer that prayer, that you are as available to us as an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God could be. And wherever we need you today, wherever we need your strength, your help, your encouragement today, wherever we need a word of hope, wherever we need a word of guidance and direction, wherever we need your blessing, Father, thank you that you're there, right there, right now. So teach us, Father, how to trust you for that, how to depend upon you for that, how to position ourselves to experience your best, how to live lives you can bless. Pray that for the fathers here, for all of us here, that on this Father's Day we would trust you as our Father on a deeper, more intimate, more dependent level than perhaps we ever have. I pray that for me and for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the spirit of being a full-service chapel, wanting to offer, you know, help on every level that, you know, we might, since it is Father's Day, I thought I would begin by sharing with you some things you should not get your father for Father's Day. All right? Like I said, we're, here, we're full service here. You know, we, we want to, you know, meet all needs. And so I came across this this week. Let's see if we can get there. There we go. That's a Sony Walkman. Anybody old enough to remember Sony Walkmans? Now, they still make them. They can sell you that one. That is gold-plated, and it will only cost $3,700. So if you have $3,700, your dad would rather you give it to him than buy him a gold-plated Sony Walkman, I think. I think I can pass that along. I also, as a father, can probably share with you he probably doesn't want a customized bobblehead or customized socks. Now, I could be wrong. It could be your dad would love to put on socks with his face on them. It could be that that's the case, but I'm kind of doubting. Yeah, probably not, probably not. Now, there are some things your dad wants that he probably doesn't expect to get, such as Rangers tickets to the World Series. <laughs> love to get Rangers tickets to the World Series? Probably not. Don't know if you saw the game yesterday. Probably not. I don't mean to be unkind, but I'd love to get tickets to the Cowboys to the Super Bowl, but probably not. We don't know. Since they were last in the Super Bowl, I counted the other day, 20 teams in the NFL have been to the Super Bowl since the Cowboys were last in the Super Bowl. So I don't know. Perhaps this is the year, but then they tell us that every year, right? So of all the things that your dad probably wants maybe but might not get here's the thing as a father I need most thought about that this week prayed about that this week as a father grandfather husband what do I need most well I'll tell you what I want whatever here father here wants today and that is to be the best dad we can be to be the best father we can be and to that end the good news is God's ready to answer that prayer for all of us fathers or not to give us an example we can follow to live a life God can bless most fully. So I want to do that on a personal level, kind of point a personal privilege here for just a second, and then we'll look at it biblically out of Matthew chapter 1. So Benjamin Franklin said, well done is better than well said. Well done is better than well said. That's well said, isn't it? But well done is better than well said. This Father's Day week, I've been thinking about my father in light of that statement. Some of you have heard my dad's story. I've told it in various ways uh, along the years. Dad grew up in a small town in Kansas, Kingman, Kansas, about 2,000 people. Very, very active in his church. 
so active in his church that his friends thought he might go into vocational ministry. Then he volunteered for World War II, saw such horrific tragedy that he never went to church again. And so I grew up in a loving home, but no spiritual life. All my dad's questions, all my dad's spiritual issues. Well, my brother went back to Kingman last week, went back to the town where dad grew up, and he sent me a picture of dad's Methodist church in Kingman, Kansas. And then my brother talked to a guy there, now in his 80s, who played in the same jazz band as my father, who was one of dad's best friends, who talked to my brother Mark even more about my own father's spiritual life growing up and how active he was, took my brother inside the church to that pew where he said dad was every Sunday. And I can't tell you what, how that blessed me to hear that because we never had that relationship at all growing up. But while I can grieve what I didn't have with my dad on this Father's Day week, I've been really thanking God for what I did have. Dad had his first heart attack when I was two. He lived 19 years on borrowed time. His left ventricular wall was just one large aneurysm. There was nothing medically they could do. He had a second heart attack and died when I was a senior in college. But despite that disability, despite that handicap with which he lived every single day, not one time in 19 years did I ever hear my father complain. Not one time. I think back now about his courage. He couldn't keep regular hours because of his health, so he started his own business, selling electronic components. Mom ran the business, Dad did the sales to support our family. I've thought this week about the fact I can't think of a single concert my dad missed. I can't think of a single time I was in something Dad wasn't there. I can't think of a single time I needed something dad wasn't there to provide. Mark and I were talking about it. My brother's last time to see dad alive was when he fixed my brother's car. We had cars that needed fixing a lot, but when he put, I think, a new, uh, I think he said a new fuel pump on my dad's car, last, on my brother's car, last time he saw him alive. The last time I saw my father alive was when he drove across Houston to give me a check to help buy Janet's engagement ring. That was on a Monday. He died the next Saturday. And so this week, this Father's Day week, I have been thanking God for a father with that kind of courage, with that kind of servant-heartedness, with that kind of love for me. I don't know how many times he told me he loved me and how grateful I am for that. And how on this Father's Day, I want to be the kind of father my father was, you know? I would encourage you to find that example in your life. Who's somebody who modeled who you want to be? Might have been your father, might not have been your father. Some people have some hard stories on Father's Day. For some people, Father's Day or Mother's Day are very difficult days, and that might be you. But who is that person in your life you can look to as somebody who modeled something you want to be? How would you this day decide to follow that example in maybe a newer, deeper way? Well, I have a biblical example to offer. If uh, Franklin is right, well done is better than well said. Let's take just a moment and talk about the silent man of Scripture. That father who says not one recorded word in Scripture, but whose obedience and courageous faithfulness literally changed human history. So we're in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. You know this story. 
We're in the middle of the year having a Christmas sermon here today. Matthew 1.18, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, you know this story. You've heard it your whole life, but we've got to understand it the way they did very, very briefly. So in Jesus' day, in the Jewish culture of the day, marriages were arranged. Typically, when the girl was born, the parents would arrange for that girl eventually to be married to the person that would become the father, uh, the husband. The, typically, the husband was 30 years of age when they actually were married, and the bride was typically a teenager. Hard for us to imagine today, but that was the culture. High infant mortality rates, high death rates in childbirth. It was just a fact of the culture, and so Mary would probably have been a teenager when she and Joseph were married. Joseph was probably around 30. And so the marriage had been arranged back before, but then there came a time when Mary had to consent to the marriage, had to agree to do that herself. This wasn't forced upon her. And when she did that, they entered into a year-long engagement period where they were betrothed to each other, but they weren't living together. We would call that being engaged. There are even stories in ancient Judaism about a man that died during the year of engagement and the uh, engaged fiance was known as the widow who was a virgin because she was now a widow. They'd not yet, her husband had died, but they had not yet become officially married. That's in that year. Well, that's the year when this happens, okay? So Joseph has been waiting for years and years and years for Mary to come of age. She's chosen to be married to him. They've entered into this engagement. They're now in this year-long engagement process before their marriage will be consummated and there'll be the big celebration and all of that. And in that period of time, Mary becomes pregnant. And Joseph knows the baby's not his, of course. And his first thought is, oh, this must have been by the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what must have happened, right? That's what you would think, right? If your fiancé became pregnant or your daughter or your granddaughter, oh, this must be an immaculate, miraculous virgin birth. That'd be the very first thought that would come to your mind, right? We know that's the story. Joseph doesn't know the story. He's not reading Matthew chapter 1. He doesn't pull out his iPhone and check to see what's going on here, all right? She's found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now Joseph's got a choice. His wife is pregnant. It's not his child. She has clearly committed adultery in their culture. Now, if he wants to venerate his honor, if he wants to show the world how outraged he is, how innocent he is of this uh, sexual transgression, what he's going to do is have her tried publicly, condemned as an adulteress and stoned to death. Remember the story of the woman caught in adultery. That's one way Joseph can go here. The other way he can go is to divorce her quietly, not bring her up on public charges, not expose her to public ridicule, divorce her quietly. Now, in their day, that was very simple. All the, father had, all the husband had to say to the wife was, I divorce thee, I divorce thee, I divorce thee. All that had to happen. No divorce courts, no lawyers, any point at any time, a husband could say that to the wife. Now, the wife couldn't say that to the husband, but the husband could say that to the wife. It's all he had to do. Then they had a certificate of divorcement he would give her, and that's it. That could happen any point in time. That's all the husband. I'm not saying that's right. I wish it wasn't that way. That's just the way it was. That's what he could do, and that's what he chooses to do. He was a just man. He was a righteous man. He didn't want to put her to public shame, so he decided to divorce her quietly. 
Now, if he does that, she's already left her father's house to come under his protection. Now she'll be out of his protection in their day and time. She is a single mother. When she has no means of support, when she's going to have to raise this child on her own, this is going to be a tragedy for her, but that's obviously better than trying her publicly, having her executed, all of that. Obviously, that's just the only choice Joseph thinks he has. He's made the decision to do this. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Now, you know that was about to happen. Joseph didn't know that. And now Joseph's got a choice. Now, he can do what the angel said, and who's going to believe the story? Right? The angel said that to him. The angel didn't say that to the world. The angel didn't send some email out. The angel didn't call a press conference. This hasn't been made public. Now, Joseph's going to go the rest of his life, people assuming he and Mary had sex before they were married, and that's why they have this child. He's going to live with that scandal. He's going to live with that. In our culture, that wouldn't be the thing it was in their day. In a tiny town where his job depends on the welfare of the people and his standing in the community and all of that, Joseph has that choice to make. He can be obedient or disobedient. He knows this. Nobody else knows this. And you know what he did. When he woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Three things. He took his wife. He became officially married to her. He knew her not until she'd given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. And all of human history is different as a result. Never says a word. Not one word in Scripture. But the obedience of this father changed the world. Now, to give you another window very quickly into the kind of character, the kind of godliness that this father modeled for his son, the son of God, in Luke chapter 2, we read, this is after Jesus is 12, and remember, he's down at the temple, and they can't find him, and three days later, they find him, and they bring him home. Don't miss this. It says in Luke 2, 51, he went down with them. You have to go up to Jerusalem, so they went down back to Nazareth, came to Nazareth, and was submissive to them. Jesus could be sinless, and yet submissive to Joseph and Mary. That tells you something about the godliness of Joseph and Mary. That Jesus could submit to them and remain sinless. I would love to tell you that my sons could submit to everything I wanted them to do and remain sinless. I would love to tell you that, but it's not true. That was true with Joseph and Mary. It tells you something about their godliness. In fact, Joseph set such an example that Jesus therefore increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. And then the day comes when Jesus wants to teach us how to pray. Remember, our Father who art in heaven, the word is Abba. Jesus is the first Jewish rabbi in all of Jewish history to address the God of the universe as his personal Father. No one had ever done that before. They could speak of God as the father of the nation. They could speak of him as the father of humanity. No one in Jewish history ever called God the same name they called their earthly father until Jesus called God what he called Joseph. The silent man of Scripture whose life whose obedience made that kind of impression on human history. 
So what should we learn from Joseph? Very quickly, three Father's Day questions. First, how can we love our wives as faithfully as Joseph loved Mary? The way you know you're, you're loving your spouse the way Joseph loved Mary is when that love comes at a cost. When Joseph has to risk his reputation, probably on some level his livelihood, his family's reaction and probably rejection, that's when you know you're loving like Joseph. It's when your love comes at a cost. It's been said the best way to love our kids is to love their mother. How could you love your spouse sacrificially like Joseph? It's a Father's Day question. How can we serve our children as faithfully as Joseph served Jesus? If your kids followed God like you followed God, would that be a good thing? If your kids prayed the way you pray, if they read Scripture the way you do, if they worship as you do, if they could follow your example to Jesus, would that be a good thing? For me, that's something to think about. How can I serve my kids the way Joseph served Jesus? And last, how do we obey our Lord as faithfully as Joseph obeyed his Lord? You know, Jesus is your king when you do what he says when you don't want to. Easy to follow his advice when you want to. Easy to worship him when you're getting something out of it. Go to chapel on Sunday so God will bless you on Monday. Pray so God will answer your question or meet your need or help you with your problem or forgive your sin or whatever it is you want God to do. That's easy to believe in God when you're getting something out of it. You're trusting God like Joseph when your trust comes at a cost. When Joseph risks, as I said, his standing in the culture, and more than that, remember the rest of the story. Herod wants to kill Jesus, so Joseph has to gather the family and flee to Egypt. Now Joseph's life is in jeopardy here because he's following God's call. And then Herod dies, and so he brings him back to Israel, learns that Archelaus is reigning in place of Herod, follows again God's leadership, and goes back to this tiny village of Nazareth, and that's where he raises his family because he's following the will of God. Is there some place in my life where God's calling me to follow him at a cost? That's when I'll follow him like Joseph. If I love my wife at a cost, if I serve my children at a cost, if I follow God at a cost, that's when I'm following the example of Joseph. Charles Spurgeon said, train up a child in the way he should go, but be sure you go that way yourself. So before we're done, let me just close with this. I'm not asking us to try harder to do better. I'm not asking us on Father's Day to be resolved, to be the best dads we can be and charge out of here and do the best we can do because if you're anything like me, that won't stick. By tomorrow or next Thursday, this will have just been chapel. I can't do that myself. You probably can't either. So what do we do? Zechariah 4, 6, not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul wrote, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So the Father's Day prayer is, Father, help me to be a father like Joseph. Help me to love my wife like he did. Help me to serve my kids like he did. Help me to follow you like he did. Help me do this. Help me be this. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, fill me, control me, empower me, guide me. Father, help me do this. That's the prayer. And then one day, 
perhaps somebody else will see you as their mentor, as their example. Perhaps some Father's Day to come, somebody will talk about you like I talked about my dad. Perhaps somebody will see you as an example God used in their life to make them the person God would have them to be. So those are our requests, I think. And we pray about them and ask for God's strength for our sake and for the sake of this nation on this Father's Day as well. Ronald Reagan said, all great change in America begins at the dinner table. All great change in America begins at the dinner table. Let's pray. If you're a dad, then you, like me, are on this Father's Day. Blessed, aren't you? So blessed. By that gift that God and your wife and your family have given you. Would you right now thank God for this gift, for the privilege of being a father? Thank God for that. Now, would you ask God to help you love your wife, whatever the cost? Love your wife so sacrificially, so joyfully, that you could love her the way Joseph loved Mary. Would you ask God to help you do that? Would you ask God to help you set an example for your kids the way Joseph did for Jesus so that your kids could call God what they call you, their father? Would you ask God to help you do that? And then if there's a place in your life where the father's asking you to trust him as your father, to do something hard, something beyond what's easy? Would you ask for the faith to do that, for the faith to have faith, for the faith to trust the Father as your Father? Now on this Father's Day, if your Father is living, would you pray for him? Pray for him right now. Pray for your husband right now. Pray for your sons if they're fathers right now. Pray for the fathers you know to love their wives and model for their kids and trust the Lord like Joseph. And then finally, if you've not met Christ as your Lord, if you haven't asked him to forgive your sin and be your Lord, then let me urge you to do that today. Get alone with him today. Ask him simply to forgive your sins, forgive your mistakes. Invite him to be Lord of your life and then tell the Christian what you've done that you might experience the eternal life your Father is willing to give you today. That's how you become a Christian. That's how you experience eternal life. That's how the God of the universe becomes your Father. Father God, I thank you that we can call you Father. I thank you that every day is Father's Day. And I thank you that because of Joseph's example, we can today love our wives, model for our kids, and trust you by the power of your Holy Spirit in a way that will be your gift for us. Help us to receive that gift and pay forward that gift this day and each day. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Happy Father's Day.